Now playing. Why so serious? What is the matrix? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Oh, what's in the box? He likes scary movies. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? You talking to me? You talking to me? Movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam Hurley, and as you can tell by the episode, we are doing an incredibly special movie for any New Zealander. We are doing Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. It's a movie that you guys have been requesting for ages. It's a movie that one of our uh, regular guests on has been asking for, for ages now as well. So congratulations, Kahu. Fuck you. I'm not doing it with you. I'm doing it with two other awesome, awesome guys. I'm doing it with, uh, well, two-thirds of the Fate of Eisen crew, the first of which is Brad. How are you doing, Brad? Hey, fuck you, Kahu. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing good. It's, it's, uh, I'm excited. I, I, I don't know that much about the Lord of the Rings films. Like, I'm a huge fantasy fan. But I don't get a lot of time to like watch movies, and those films are things that you either don't watch at all, or you watch obsessively and you know everything about them. And I'm unfortunately in the don't watch at all camp. That's okay. That's okay. You'll probably bring a bit more of a freshness and a unique approach to this. What about you, Oliver? Are you a massive? Oh, the other guy's Oliver. How are you doing, Oliver? Gilda. Oh, hey, how are you? Um, look. I don't know if I'm in a fan status. I just feel like uh, it's an extraordinarily competent set of films that, from a film basis, are fantastic. Like, that is good. And that's my defense for having seen them about 35 times each <laughs> at a conservative estimate. Fucking hell, you've got a super massive fan. That's that's awesome, man. The thing is that I, I they're pretty cool. Um, I don't yeah. like them a huge amount, but they're, they're pretty cool as films go. They're the most accurate representation of what life in New Zealand is like. I mean, that's ever been committed oh, to film, really. <laughs> the amount of times I've just gone, like, I've intended to go down to the supermarket, and oops, suddenly I'm in the Mines of Moria. Like, if everyone has a story like that, everyone here. And I mean, exactly. anybody who has been to Rotorua. You'll know that Brad's statement is absolutely correct. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Uh, the other person joining us, was supposed to be joining us this week, was Jules. Who wants to imitate Jules because Jules isn't here? I will, I will never do such a thing, nor would I joke about it backstage when not being recorded. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it very briefly just to uh, represent her, uh, and she can feel free to unfriend me and delete me from her life. Uh, if, if there's, Hi, I'm Jules. That's me. <laughs> Listen to my podcast, Jules from NZ. I'm also Marley Craft on The Fate of Ison. And Simon Quayle on The Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon. That's it. I must say, you've got an incredibly feminine voice there, Jules. It's brilliant. (laughs) Thanks. So, anyway, guys, uh, welcome again to both of you to the podcast. Like, this is kind of a big deal for us because we've never actually had a New Zealand podcast on our podcast. Which is amazing, and you'd think if I was going to get another New Zealand podcast on, we'd get a like a movie podcast, but not at all. Tell us what Fate of Eisen is all about. Uh, Fate of Eisen is a fifth edition D and D actual play podcast. It is set in the homebrew world of Eisen that I built, and that we all uh, together continue to build and add lots of canon and lore to it. And it's very not safe for work. I like to think that the tone of it is sort of. I try to be serious. I try to put serious situations and serious characters and a serious world in front of the players and they just laugh it off and turn it into ridiculousness, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's it's very perfect. It's sort of grounded while also being extremely not grounded. 
um, yeah, no, it's it, it's all of that, but also um, just three dickheads previously, all, all from Wellington, <laughs> who just sort of go for a walk and a whole bunch of stuff happens. And Brad gets very angry that we don't play by the rules. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't he doesn't say it because he's a great father and he teaches well. Uh, I've listened to the first season, really enjoyed you guys. I loved listening to it. As someone who isn't like has never ever experienced anything to do with Dungeons and Dragons, only Dungeons, but people don't need to hear about my sex life. Uh, it was just awesome. It was an awesome podcast. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's the thing as well. I uh, entered into it with literally no idea. Like You're obviously, kidding. you have the no, God no. Um, I mean, not, not, no, no offense to the Dungeons and Dragons community, but I was not one of you previously. You know, so Brad uh, had this idea when uh, we had a couple of other things going on in the Wellington Comedy community, and yes, yeah, so just said fuck it, and so did our friend Josh, uh, who was in the first season as Trestle Spoon, yep. the gnome, and yeah, we went into it completely blind, and it's it's like a whole bunch of fun. Um, yeah. Which was quite a surprise, and may I say, in this technology-based culture, it's really nice just to talk to your friends. Oh, how sweet. How cute. I don't know how to say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I'll let you guys plug it a little bit more at the end and where people can find you. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. So what we do on the show is we, well, first of all, we hit you guys with a plot of the film. We try and find the worst plot that we could find on IMDb. Which is as follows, a young hobbit, Frodo, who has found the One Ring, no he didn't, he got it given to him, that belongs to the Dark Lord Sauron, begins his journey with eight companions to Mount Doom, the only place where it can be destroyed. Looking at the reviews for this movie, IMDb have it 8.8 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes 91%, and Metacritic 92%, but Brad, since you're not as like well versed in it, what would you give this as a score out of 10,000 rings to rule them all? Um, well, I did just re-watch it this, com- this past weekend. To Thank basically you. to study for this podcast, <laughs> I hadn't seen it in like eighteen years or something. But uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. It, it completely blew me away, and all my expectations were met and exceeded. So, out of ten thousand rings, it's probably like nine thousand nine hundred ninety-seven rings. Holy shit! See now, Fred, that's literally the only acceptable answer, and I'm so proud of you for coming to that conclusion <laughs> by yourself. I love you, Oliver. <laughs> hey, look, I've got a new kind of respect for you. So what about you, Oliver? What would you give this a score out of 10,000 rings that rule them all? Oh, it's, it's definitely like a 8,500, something like that, you know? Really? A guy yeah, that's seen it 35 yeah. times. Holy it's shit. It's been on, the room, on in the room 35 times. Like, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't solve any of the quibbles you have with it on watching it. Ooh. Like, the, it, 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 you know, you still have to sit through that fucking interminable scene with, you know, fucking... Whatever elvish, elvish face is, just being like, the elves are coming away. And you're like, okay, cool, bro. Like, cool, get off the screen, whatever. Yeah, cool, elves are a thing. Uh, like, it, does, it doesn't solve those problems. But I think it's, um, for me, you know, 10 is, is ecstasy. There's no 10 in the world, you know, if you want to get crazy about your scales. I'm a little bit more than you. I'm about 9,027. I, but I could fluctuate between that and a 10,000. I mean, rewatching this for this podcast was an absolute fucking joy. Mm, and I'm so glad to be doing it. Mm. But uh, I'll, I'll add in there that I actually uh, learned something that may uh, very positively affect my marriage. In that, that is some clickbait that I'm after. What's happening? I, <laughs> what is going on? Because like I'm, I'm big into D and D. I play a lot, play a lot of D and D. I'm a huge fantasy reader, and I'm, I'm so certain that on multiple occasions. 
my wife has been like, eh, fantasy, man, not don't like it, man, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when I said, I'm going to rewatch Fellowship of the Ring, and I said, I know you don't like fantasy, but do you want to watch it for, with me? And she was like, what are you talking about? I love Lord of the Rings. I've seen, like, I've seen them like 10 times. And I was like, yes, <laughs> success. <laughs> the dream is being lived. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, mate. That is really awesome. Okay, guys, so we are now going to get into the questions. What we normally do is we normally ask 10 questions that can be applied to any film. We then move through three personal questions and then finish on one that we've thrown out there to our listeners. But because there was meant to be four of us on, uh, we did eight questions that can be applied to any film and then three personal questions. And one of us is just going to pretend to be Jules every time around. We're going to start off with the one that we always start off, which is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film. Now, Brad, why don't you lead us off? Uh, yeah, one thing that really stood out to me, and it's a, it's a very small, specific thing, so it's quite weird, that I, I absolutely loved in this re-watching that I just did, is... I loved that in the fight in Moria with the cave troll, that whole fight, except for like the last minute, had no music. And it was just just the sounds of combat, nothing else. And I thought that was absolutely a, an amazing choice because it really added to the feeling of like quiet isolation in the mines, and which is such a nerdy answer to, <laughs> to something <laughs> good. perfect. But yeah, it just, it, I don't know why that stood out to me, but it just, yeah, I was just really enjoying the fact that there was no music because it felt like the kind of the scene that would normally have this big boisterous music, but it was just the sound of combat and it was perfect. One thing bad is that to me, it was really unclear how long Gandalf was on top of Saruman's tower. Right, yeah, um, yeah. Like, was it days, weeks? Because um, like the orcs decimated the entire landscape while he was up there. Yeah. Like, they had to be at least a few weeks, right, to, to yeah. do that level of destruction. So was he just up there asleep, like, in a coma for weeks? Like, how long <laughs> was this? But he does the, he does the whiz around in the, in the, um, in the chamber with, with Saruman. You know, when yeah, he they, does, like, the, oh, pushy-push. Like, yeah, they have the, I, they I have the fight. It was supposed to be, yeah, well, I think it was supposed to be indicative of, like, him getting there, getting beaten, knocked out and then possibly something else happens and then he ends up on the roof yeah but for, for me it was as a viewer i was like i have mm. no idea how much time is going by with this and mm. it really frustrated me and then the other side of the the sandwich is i i love pippin really um he's an adorable fuckwit um <laughs> and the thing the thing about pippin is he can summon danger with his stupidity and like put everyone in peril just because he's a moron but he gets away with it every time. It is a useful trait. It's, a good it's, an, ama- <laughs> it's an amazing superpower to literally come close to causing everyone's death over and over again. And people are like, no, oh, you scamp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Oliver, what about you? What do you got? Compliment number one. It's, it's, it's a true masterpiece. Like it, it's, it, what, it's what happens when a competent director meets a crew that knows what they're doing, people that take risks, and a really good production team in hitting its stride and it's just it's a perfect song of a film you know it's it's uh the saving private ryan of fantasy you know it uh it works as a as a film it's competent throughout so that's just a really boring (laughs) review um it is very long um and sometimes it's longer than others and sometimes there's weird (laughs) extra lines because you're watching like the director's extended cut from 2018 before they added another little scene yeah. And that's a bit weird. So that it can be it can be tiring, you know, about the two hour mark where you're like, okay, 
cool thought the bell rock was just it. You know, I thought that was the end of the movie. Like, yeah. Okay, so everyone's saying goodbye now. Okay. And and the other end of the compliment is just New Zealand, man. That's cool. That did a huge amount for us as a nation was producing uh, what's a competent work of art. Yeah, I mean, similar to you guys, or similar to you, Oliver, like I really just love the production values of this. Like the, the Shire feels authentic. You know, the Alvin city that they go to feels authentic. Even the like Caves of Moria and all that sort of stuff, they still feel authentic. And the CGI hasn't really aged that much. Like in some of these older films, you look at them and you just mm. like, you, you can see past the magic as they sort of go on. Uh, the bad mm. thing, holy fuck, there's some cheesy dialogue in this film. Holy shit. And I hate to shit on someone that has the same name as me, but fuck, come on, Sam. Like, get some better fucking lines there, bro. And final good thing, um, I mean, it's like, at the time, it was a relative cast of unknowns, aside from Ian McKellen had been a little bit, Kate Blanchett was, you know, starting to make her way in the world, but, and like, Elijah Woodard was like a child actor, but like a lot of the other ones, you, you wouldn't be able to name, like, even another film or two for some of them, like, you know, Sean yeah. Astin to play Samwise, maybe, but. Yeah, Hugo Weaving, Christopher Lee. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's but then again, more Viggo Morton thing is <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, no, there's, there's, Liv like Tyler. Mary Pippin as well. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Mary Pippin as well. You know, they're, they're forming linchpin roles. You know, obviously yeah. Gandalf went to a big picket actor, Elijah had name recognition. But one of the very cool things about this film is how much it, um, it involves a whole strata of, of levels of actor. Like the extras give it as much fucking gusto and as much care as Surrey McKellen. And that yeah. plays throughout the film. Nobody finds it in in this film. Like, that's typically the problem of a lot of fantasy movies is that they're just overacting a lot of these scenes. And Peter Jackson just was very smart to go out and actually get, like, well-trained thespian actors who aren't mm. just, like, completely ripping the piss out of, like, mm. what they're supposed to be doing. Because, like, yeah, as mm. much as I say there's some cheesy dialogue in here, there's a lot of dialogue in here that should have fell flat, but a lot of these mm. people just pull it off. And yeah, that mm. was another like awesome thing about it. I mean, Sir, Sir McKellen in particular, um, he's used to pronouncing oldie English on stage at volume and making it sound relevant to the time. So yeah, it plays through. Exactly. And since I asked the question, I'm going to give you guys Jules' answer. <laughs> Starts with a birthday party, which is the best. Bad young hobbits apart from Sam. Oh, she's sucking up to me. Like Dick's in this movie. Sport rich brats. I don't like them until later. And then the scenes in and around the first leg of the trip to the pony are epic in building that tension and fear. So good. Thanks, Jules. Moves us over to question number two. What is it there, Brad? Uh, how long would you survive in this movie's world? Am I born into this world or am I transported into this world? You are magically transported there tomorrow and just dropped me the right now yeah. with yeah. my muscle tone. Yes. <laughs> me with my current muscle tone. Yes. Shit. Um, not that long. Um, <laughs> I couldn't, man. Have you seen them run for like you're, minutes? You're tall and blonde. That's the criteria. Yeah, don't make me stand next to an elf. <laughs> Imagine just me, like English as fuck with the nose and the fucking face, standing next to like, ah, doesn't work. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> no, um, if I had normal faculties and abilities, I think, I think I'd do okay. Obviously, it's not knowing what I know now about Little of the Rings scenario where I'm like, taking me to King Theatre and I have so much to tell him. But I think I'd be okay. I'd just be like a medium business person in Minas Tirith. Go for the upper levels, obviously. I've got to play to my strengths. I'm roughly a metre 70, so I'm not short enough to be a hobbit, but not tall enough to be one of the Gondorians or anything in this. So mm. I'd probably decide to take the best of what I've got and just go straight move to the Shire. The problem being that while I'd live there like a king for a little bit, that'd be until Saruman came and invaded and they'd be like, 
you're the biggest one here. Go fight him off. And I'm like, oh, fuck this. I'm out of here. <laughs> or until he hits you to a plow. True. Or yeah, or hits to a plow. I'd be face down as a corpse by Return of the King, I reckon. It's a good scale. Yeah. What about you, Brad? Yeah, so it's sort of same. It depends. It kind of depends where I live. Like, if I was in somewhere like hidden and off the side, like away from all the action, like the Shire, I'd probably easily go over a hundred years because I'd just be like reading books and hiding from people. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of what I do. It's a fair tactic. But like, if I was anywhere else in the world, like in in a mine or in Mordor or any treacherous place or even a city, I'd just die as soon as I saw a goblin or something. I would just. Or, <laughs> Oh, I'd probably be like that old guy guarding the gate at um, what's the name of that city they go to where the prancing pony is. But yeah, when the when the the uh, the wraiths arrive and they charge the gut, there's that old guy who's guarding the the city gate who lets yeah. them in, and then the wraiths like charge the door and knock the door off its hinges, and that's him dead. <laughs> and I'd, I'm like, I would be that guy. Found your spirit animal, eh? Found that dude. And what was Jules's answer there, Brad? Uh, Jules says. I'm pretty good at hiking. Oh, weird flex. Um, so, <laughs> so that's okay. But if there's no sword training, I'm screwed. I don't. Yeah, think I can't imagine added. there's sword training really in the place like this. Surely they're just born with a sword, and that's it, eh? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because everybody's been trained with a sword, and everybody knows how to do sword fighting. And you're like, how many of you touched a sword on Tuesday before it was today? Well, yeah. What's going on? It's <laughs> so a lot of swinging, not a lot of people busted in half. <laughs> yeah, when, they're tra- when they're training, Merry and Pippin are training, was, is it with uh, Boromir that they were sort of... It is with Boromir. And, yeah. and he's like, oh, well done. Oh, yes. Oh, good. Yeah. And it's like, is he just humoring them or are they actually doing well for yeah, having yeah, yeah. the sword in their entire little hobbit lives? Mastered a sword in two hours. <laughs> that moves us over to question number three. What is it there, Oliver? Uh, what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this movie? This is kind of weird, but hobbits and dwarves are relatively the same height and size. How is it that, like, dwarves are able to, like, run for fucking, you know, like, endlessly have, like, amazing strength and all that sort of stuff, and yet hobbits are, like, weak as piss? What's happened? What's happened with these physiological makeups of these, like, beings? It's nurture. In nurture versus nature, dwarves have just sort of been trained for generations to be hardy, and a lot of that comes down to just, like, but they're probably born onto a forge to start working as like a newborn like they're crying and here's a hammer get to work <laughs> and whereas you know like hobbits are born into all right go sit over there and do nothing for 110 years okay cool there you go you answer my debate good work i, I will come back to your initial point though and say that they're no more or less uh powerful they're different i mean did a dwarf get to the ring to mortal did it drop the ring into Mount Doom? No, it couldn't, because only a hobbit was actually hardy enough to get that thing there. And they're known as being quite hardy, in fact. Uh, they're an agrarian people. They always have enough to eat, which means they have access, you know, to excess. And, and frankly, I, I feel like they're just as hardy a folk, although they're not warlike, you know. Uh, this is a media bias towards the dwarf, uh, and I think it shouldn't stand in 2020. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Cheers for that. Hashtag dwarf lives matter. (laughs) It's just, it's an American flag, uh, but it's, it's just much smaller. (laughs) Just a stumpy one. It's like a eight. Sorry to Americans. It's smaller paper. What about you, Oliver? What was Mm. your deep philosophical? Um, The idea of moral necessity. Like, do you have to join the fellowship? Like does, does Frodo have to take the ring 
to Mordor. Um, he's presented with it. The world tells him, hey, here's this ring. If you could take it over there, that'd be great. It may cost your life, but it will save everybody else's. In that situation, are you sort of required to do it? Like, is it immoral to say no? Well, that's a good question. He's totally not the best person to be taking it either. We don't even know for a fact no one else could have done it. They couldn't have just like put it in a box and yeah. then put it in a cart and then just, you know, taken it with a horse and he could have pulled the horse. You know, yeah, true. Or like, like a million different, uh, hang a rope off an eagle. I don't know. Yeah, well, they see the Eagles one is like one that's been disputed for a long time, which is why don't they just jump on one of the Eagles, fly over Mount Doom and just drop it in? I mean, to which I replied, then we wouldn't have any fucking movies, you fucking idiots. Yeah, so I mean, we, obviously the, one, e- the Eagles were actually... Yeah, yeah, it would have been a 10-minute long film. Hey, I found this Gandalf. Sweet, see you, bye. Yeah, boom, see you, bye. The world's fine. Everything's fine <laughs> now. Because apparently every, the only thing that was... Like, the, the significance of the ring escalates throughout the films, and that's something that kind yeah. of bugged me. Like, it goes from, here's this ring of power, there are many others like it, which we never see, and they're all, you know, important, but this one's the most important of them, to, like, the second film, you're like, oh, it's not so much about the ring, but that's an interesting part, to the third ring, where it's like, this is a nuclear bomb that will destroy everything you know and love, and if you don't do this, the world's over. It's it's almost like Scientology or something like that, where they get you in, like, relatively low level, and then they just start amping you up towards the end and to the point where you're like, I don't have a fucking choice anymore, man. I'm in for good. I'm in for good. I guess I'm shooting a dude. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, What did Jules have there, Oliver? Uh, So Jules had, and I'm not going to do the voice, because (laughs) why would I? You know, not even in in jest. So the deep philosophical debate was, how dare they steal that farmer's crops? Those greedy shitbags. Um, obviously, <laughs> um, referencing Mary and Pippin, who come in as thieves. True. Right Mary and Pippin are kind of like the trestle spoon of mm. the, the, these films. And it's weird <laughs> to me, Brad, that in a D&D context, Dungeons and Dragons, for you folks at home, you don't know the archetypes of Mary and Pippin. Because, and then, like, Josh and I would do Mary and Pippin stuff. And you'd be like, oh, that's really funny and original. We're like, oh, my God. In a way with this. <laughs> Awesome. And that moves us over to question number four, which is the first of our Patreon questions. Uh, we have some wonderful Patreons out there who donate us $5 a month, and then they get to have their questions in the top 10. The first of which comes from the amazing man that is Dave Baker. Dave has his own Patreon as well that you should all check out at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. There'll be a link down in the show notes. And what Dave would like to know is which two characters from this film would you guys want with you at a house party? Take us away, Brad. Probably Gimli. For, for Gimli, it's because of the way that he talks about the hearths and hospitality in Moria when, when they're going in before they realize everyone's dead. The way he's describing like the, the environment and the homeliness that they're going to experience, it, this is a guy who knows how to have a good time, like a, yeah. a, like a, like a, nice, a, a nice time by, uh, I think he's saying like warm fireplace and, and, and hot drinks and things like that. And I was like, that just sounds, that just sounds good. <laughs> I don't, don't want to get crazy. <laughs> I don't want to get like, yeah, I'm going to shit faced. Uh, and of course, my boy Pippin. Because nice. uh, that, that whole fuckwit thing that I said earlier. He could, like, he could break the stereo and everyone would be like, hey, it's Pippin. Fair enough, fair enough. What about you, Oliver? I'd take the cave troll uh, and the dude that got <laughs> waxed by the cave troll. You know, in that one scene where it's about like the cave troll so bent on destroying the team that he like woofs the dude out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Math, yeah that, that dude, when they find him, <laughs> obviously, and he's got a few weeks to recover, 
and the cave troll because I just love awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good on you, man. Uh, I'm going with Gandalf because he shows up to parties with fireworks and a whole lot of shit to smoke. So he's fucking pretty cool. He's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> sure, he really acts man. like a bit of a bit of a weirdo in points, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going with Gandalf. And the other one is, well, I started thinking about this, and then I was like, because uh, I was thinking Aragorn, like, would be pretty cool to show up with a king. He'd have lots of money. But then I was like, nah, but the only time we've seen him socializing, he's just hanging out in the corner of a bar with a, like, hood pulled over his face, looking like a weirdo. So I was like, maybe not Aragorn. And then fought really long and hard about it. I'm going to go with Galadriel. And the reason why I'm going with Galadriel is she shows up and she's got presents. She's got presents for everyone. And they're the exact thing you need in your more like most worst time ever. In your time of despair and doom or whatever, she's got the exact present that I need. So that would probably be me the next day. She'd literally show up with a bucket of KFC, a blue Powerade, some paracetamol and be like, here you go. You're going to need this tomorrow. Be like, Continue your journey, Traveller. <laughs> exactly. Is, is Galadriel just Aslan? Has yeah. the deep knowledge is pivotal to the energy of the universe, gives them gifts that are tailored to them and they use later. That's a can of worms. That's a big can of worms. Which came out first? Oh, my God. Well, the books, obviously, for Lord of the Rings. Well, but, yeah. well actually, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised. because yeah. Actually, no. Well, the line, the witch, the wardrobe, some old stuff. Um, Listeners, yeah. hit us up, fateofison at gmail.com. To, <laughs> to Y'all can argue in the, in the comments of this episode. Somebody make sure you take it to a racial place. <laughs> Holy shit! Which yeah, one? Take a guess. Take a guess. One came I out nineteen. Lion the Witch. Yes, so the came out nineteen fifty. Lord of the Rings came out in nineteen fifty four. Oh man! Fuck yeah. Just enough Fuck time to go. plagiarize it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. J.R. Tolkien, you hack. Plagiarist confirmed. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You fucking hack. This is great. Rings, Ringsgate twenty twenty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Over to Jules for her answer. She said, Gandalf and Samwise, one for the party tricks and the other willingness to play along of the games I want to play. Very sexually aggressive. <laughs> Very. Where are those fireworks going, Jules? <laughs> no, Holy the hell. games I want to play. The silly little games. <laughs> this has oh. taken a turn. Uh, that was question number five. What is call it, Call me Mr. Frodo. Call me Mr. Frodo. <laughs> Do they Gandalf? Do they Gandalf? I'm the conjurer of cheap tricks. She's going to kill all of us. Okie dokie. And that moves us over to question number five. What is it there, Brad? Uh, What is one thing you noticed in this film that you don't think other people might have immediately noticed? How terrible elves are. Really? All the time. Yeah. Fuck elves. Galadriel's like the nicest one, and even she turns into like a fucking scream demon at one point. Like, how long can you be talked down to before you got to do some shit about it? Like, have every single elf talks down to every other person, no matter yeah. what their status is in life. They're like, oh, well, you know, when I was 400, I remember that I did that, and it was very easy because I'm an elf. And you're like, <laughs> like I'm fucking, like, how old's Aragorn in this film? Like, 38? His knees are so close to gone. But the yeah. is just like, my people live to 400, and this is how we dance in the trees. And you're like, oh, fuck off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You know? <laughs> anyway, that's my thing. Someone really hates elves. This is great. I don't hate them. I just wish they didn't exist. <laughs> so you're calling for the genocide of elves? I've said nothing of the sort. Have you been checking <laughs> M-Chan? It's Mordor-Chan. How are you? What's up? It's a message for Mordor. 
Elfgate 2020, everyone. <laughs> Hashtag man supremacist confirmed. <laughs> we were here first, and those fucking yeah. elves have moved in here. Taking our jobs. Taking our See, jobs. When do they work? When do they work, bro? At what point have you seen one work? We have a cutscene with one hitting a piece of metal with a hammer half-heartedly and in a, yeah. frankly, communistic fashion. And, you know, next thing you have, you know, they're just yeah. like, everything's perfect. Fuck off. They live for hundreds of years. Do you know how many times that is like like clogging up the health system, and, mm. you know, the schooling system? They're just like vlogging up everything. And like when you're 50 as an elf and you're like, you know, fully grown, Imagine someone mm. who looks the same as you talking down to you because they're 400 years older and there's nothing you can do about it but wait for 400 years and they'll still be 400 years older. Like, how you many too. fucking preposterous? <laughs> anyway, sorry. I hate them. Holy shit. <laughs> the revelation. Um, the thing I noticed that I don't think other people immediately know is I lived over in the UK for six years and there was a running joke amongst every single UK person and everyone from New Zealand, which was like, Oh, you're from New Zealand. You must know someone that was in Lord of the Rings. Oh, you must know someone that was in Lord of the Rings. You must have heard it like a fucking million of times. Worst thing is, I did. I did know someone yeah. in fucking Lord of the Rings. We I knew all do. Of... Yeah, exactly. He was a hobbit. He's wearing a yellow shirt. You can see him at with a party. Like, went to school with that guy. Yeah, the thing is, Oliver and Jules and I, we are all comedians, or I used to be. Um, as part of the performing community, we all know shitloads of people from these movies. Yeah, um, like heaps of deadbeat actors are like, hey, I'm going to try doing comedy. It's going to be on my resume as an actor. And so, like, you meet these fucking people. They're, like, through all the times. And, yeah, so that stereotype is painfully accurate. It is, a. Eh? What about you, Brad? Yeah, there's, prob- there's probably nothing that, that I would notice that other people don't. Because, uh, like, I, I miss heaps of stuff when there's something, when there's stuff going on, uh, when there's movies that have, like, lots and lots of fine detail. And lots of things to remember. Like as I said uh, before, right at the start, is I like I love fantasy, but there's so much going on in these Middle Earth movies that it's just too much detail for me to take all of it in and be noticing things that you're not really supposed to notice either. Does it feel yeah, like I mean, it makes sense within like the general fantasy context, like the way that you see it? Like, does it just does it look right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Every, everything flows for me. Like I I I follow I follow it, and I nothing gets lost for me but it's, it's the kind of mm. thing where i'm i'm actively working hard to put the pieces together as it goes like oh that's the thing that they talked about before and that's the thing that they said there was oh uh 250 they said it was 260 years old and then this, this is the thing that like I, i'm i'm creating the puzzle as as the movie goes on yeah, yeah. The, thing I, the thing i love about um watching films as brad obviously does is making it real stressful <laughs> <laughs> it's work yeah, yeah, even when I'm not even doing a podcast on a movie now, I'm sitting there like, oh, that'd be a funny quote to hear after sex. Everyone in the audience is like, shut the fuck up. No one cares. Why are you talking to this fucking movie, man? Wait, Sam, everyone in the audience, are you ye- are you in a movie theater and you yell things like, that'd be a funny, bad line to hear after sex? Yeah, yeah, totally, man. That's why I'm banned from all my local theaters. They're opening a new one. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, that moves us over to question number six, which is also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins, who runs the Taste This podcast, a podcast in which she takes a movie that everybody loves. She says it's pretty shit. And then she sort of argues for a movie that no one's seen and sort of says why it's awesome. And what would she like to know there, Oliver? What character has probably gone the longest without showering? Uh, the cave troll. No, shit. I take it back. I take it back. I take it back. There's one character in this film that definitely would never be able to go, would even be able to have a shower. So I'm going with the Balrog. 
Oh, it's a big dog. Cool. Also, it's been alive for the longest. So Exactly. There we go. A little shower would literally kill the dude. I'm going with him. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say pretty much everyone because showers aren't a thing in the Middle Ages. And I haven't seen evidence of one in any of the films. So, what about a rain shower? <laughs> yeah, all like, I, while I was sitting here, I was like, oh, standing under a waterfall counts. And like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll just call it bathing. There we go. It's long, gone the longest about bathing. Yeah, it's got to be the Balrog, bro. I mean, yeah. What kind of loofah you know, do you I, use? I would, <laughs> I, would, I would counter that, though, and say that the, the context of the question. Um, it doesn't say, but it might imply that goes longest without showering slash bathing. Who needs to? Because the Balrog wouldn't need to. The Balrog would just burn off. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a fair point. that's a fair point. Um, the answer for me is Gandalf for sure. Just look at him. He he just looks dirty the whole time. He looks like a guy who's just gone. I you know what? I'm like I have like powers and shit. I don't care about being clean. If you don't like the way I smell, I will just eviscerate you. Obviously, oh, the juxtaposition between Sauron yeah, and Sauron, um, Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf the White, obviously calls that into pretty stark focus. But I feel like he bird baths on the road, you know. But yeah, you you just blew my argument out of the water though. Once I'm um, saying that you know, once he becomes Gandalf the White, he's very he pristine. Shower again. He's yeah. very, he doesn't he doesn't shower, but he 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 goes from like filthy to pristine. He's like the before and after of like a, a makeover show. But like queer eye for the Middle Earth guy, he goes yeah. from like they really do him up nice. He pretty much goes from old age pensioner at home to old age pensioner at a wedding. He does get yeah. doled up pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely perfect comment. <laughs> oh, good. And that moves us over to question number seven, which is also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of Julio of the Contrarians podcast, another podcast in which they rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. They argue why a well-reviewed movie is pretty shit, and then they spend the second half giving their honest opinions about that film. So what would Julio like to know? He'd like to know, what is your guys' most controversial opinion about this film? I'll answer for Jules. Uh, she said, just because that's the tab I have open on my computer right now. Oh, we forgot um, about Jules. Oh, continue. Uh, her controversial opinion is, get him, ringwraiths. Yeah, right, a tiny dirt bank hid them, and then they fell for a rock thrown noise. Bollocks. They should have been nabbed right then. Um, which, again, that would have made for a short movie as well. It's, it's strange. No, well, she brings a good point. Um, the, the, the Hobbit's always shown as being, like, pretty bumbling and, like, clumsy and, like, a bit, like, hoo 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 I'm a bit silly. Like, look, I'm a big fat butt. But then they always get out of trouble and they always hide when they can. Mm. You know? Like, they're very, they're very sneaky when they need to be. What was your answer, though, Brad? Like, what, would, what what's your personal controversial opinion about this film? Gandalf's wizard power is like completely shit until the Balrog shows up, you know, like, okay. During that cave troll fight, Gandalf does nothing. His mm. friend, his friends get fucked up. They, they, they think they just watched Frodo die. Like they literally see him get stabbed by a massive fucking weapon by this cave troll and die in front of their eyes. Yeah. Gandalf does nothing. Then suddenly the next scene, there's a monstrous demon and he holds it back. With his power. Yeah. What the fuck was he doing before this? <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump in before Oliver gives his answer because my answer was Gandalf is fucking useless. Not only that, like, let's, let's dial it back a bit. There's two scenes, right? He discovers Frodo has the one ring to rule them all. So him and Samwise and, you know, Gandalf are just cruising off and then he just gets to the edge of the show or whatever. He's like, okay, see ya, bye. And then just rides off on his horse and just leaves the two of them just sitting there. Next time we see him, he's in Saruman's, you know, tower or whatever. 
puts his hand on Saruman's ball and discovers that like Sauron has infiltrated Saruman's mind. And then rather than like taking Saruman out at that point where he's got the drop on him, where Saruman doesn't know, he just tries to do a runner. He tries to run out one door, closes. Tries to run out another door, closes. Try to run out another door, closes. Come on, man. And then finally they get into the little, you know, like dance around the room, blowing each other away, or blowing each other basically. And then he ends up on the top of the tower. I'd, I'd hazard a guess that Gandalf is pretty shit. Except he can hold back a demon. Except he can hold back a demon. Oh, someone's about to lose this shit. What have you got there? <laughs> Here's the problem with everything you've just said. Okay. <laughs> Your assumption of a wizard has been ported onto Gandalf based on his latter actions, not his earlier ones. How many people, Brad, tell me, died in that, in that cave troll attack? Was it zero? Gandalf does just enough is what Gandalf does. Yeah, but that's like saying, that's like saying, um, you know, having a rock and saying this rock keeps bears away, like in the classic example from The Simpsons. It's like, do you see any I mean, bears? When did the first person die after the Mines of Moria? Yeah, it wasn't, was, wasn't when Gandalf was around. No, it fucking wasn't. Um, so Gandalf has, I would argue, some manner of narrative omnipotence and is able to pick just enough to do to make sure that it is the mortals that undertake the quest, not him as an emissary of whatever immortal power it is, that he services. Interesting. No, he's, yeah, it's really annoying. It's really, really annoying trying to stand up again, don't they? <laughs> he's constantly like, what if I didn't do anything when I could? Or like, what if I did something that I didn't have to? I'm like, hey, bro. What about you, Oliver? What was your uh, controversial opinion? I don't know that I have one. Um, I think my opinions on this film are like, you know, from a technical perspective, uh, uh, just normal opinions. Like, it's technically well shot. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's it's such a piece of human culture that not only are we talking about it, but so is everybody in every fucking language. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a piece of human culture. I don't know. What are you supposed Fair to enough. do with Lord of the Rings? It's just fucking there. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good. And that moves us over to question number eight. Uh, Brad, what is question number eight there, Brad? What quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear immediately after you finish having coitus? Uh, just the name Gandalf. <laughs> really? Yeah, imagine if somebody just whispered it after. Gandalf. <laughs> you know, regardless of mood, it's not a name you want to hear. It's either the name of somebody's cat or dog. Or they are somebody you need to, like, lose. You need to move your house, you know? I've got two. I'm going to throw both at you and see which one you guys like better. One of them was Arwen's line of, if you want him, come and claim him. Who the fuck are you talking to at that point? I, I don't want to get claimed by anyone. Not after I've uh, finished using up all energy I ever had. The other one I definitely don't want to hear was Gimli's of, I've been dealt a wound beyond all healing. <laughs> you, you do want to hear that. that, that means, is it... <laughs> do we need to get a fucking and... ambulance? Or like... <laughs> Just means you picked the right one. She likes all of the rings and you. That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> um, my two, uh, I've got um, the... I, 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 yeah, I wrote down the one um, where Boromir is dying. Oh, yes. <laughs> that sets the tone for uh, <laughs> for Le Petit Moor after Young Coitus. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the 1890s. Where he says, um, the world of men will fall and all will come to darkness. And I was like, oh, that would be very strange to hear. Like, did, did I just fuck a demon? What is this? But also, like, um, 
Oh, she'll come to darkness. God knows I have. <laughs> I'm already and living there, babe. I'm all good. <laughs> and the other one I thought of um, just uh, earlier when um, after we'd started recording was Galadriel after she has her little talk herself out of the ring and then just going, oh, I passed the test. <laughs> Fair enough. And what did Jules have there, Brad? I have to find it. <laughs> I've got it here in front uh, of me if you like. Oh, yeah, go for it. I can't find it. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, <laughs> and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. That's so crazy. <laughs> that's great, Jules. Love that Oh, one. that's incredible. Oh, that moves us over to our personal questions, which is questions that we came up with while we were watching this film, the first of which is my set of three questions. So at one point there, we discover that Samwise Gamgee is hanging outside of Frodo's window while everyone else is off partying. I want to know from you guys, what was Samwise actually doing outside of Frodo's window when Gandalf found him? Um, hey, um, I think, honestly, I think he was doing his job. I think he spotted some weeds from the road. Um, and I think that not only is Sam diligent, uh, he's got no life and he secretly has a crush on Frodo. There we go. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. He was definitely doing something weird, like catching and eating aphids or something that like he, he doesn't <laughs> that he doesn't want like other people in Hobbiton to know that he does. So he like goes out and does this at night and like, but what a lot of people um, don't know is that it's a well-documented fact that the bush specifically outside that window of, uh, of Bilbo's house um, just happens to have the best aphids in like all of Hobbiton. And so like Sam was definitely in there getting his fill of aphids. Makes sense. You could add to that, to that like that would have been the only house that had its lights on at that point as well. So, you know, he's the only one that he would have been able to use the lights to find those aphids. So. Yeah. It's just they're getting attracted, so it's just out there eating moths. <laughs> <laughs> Good air first, he's everyone. just out there with a mouthful of moths. Dry as fuck. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jules would like to think that he was practicing his proposal, going through the motions of getting down on one knee, etc. Okay, moving over to my next question, which is... Which of the fellowship is legit just dead weight? Like, which guy just doesn't need to be there? Uh, definitely Frodo. Oh! The guy just dies all the time. <laughs> he just keeps dying. <laughs> well, I mean, one once. time. He's oh, a I mean, child. He's, he's, he's a seven-year-old. <laughs> he died one time. And we thought he died a second time. But, like, they could have achieved their goals so much more easily if, like, when he got stabbed by the, the Nazgul blade... Yeah. And he was dying very quickly and they were like, shit, get him to the elves as quickly as we can. If instead of doing that, they just took his corpse to Mordor and just <laughs> uh, chucked the whole thing in Mount Doom. Done. What about you, Oliver? Who do you think was dead weight? Obviously, it's Merry and Pippin. Either one. Like, what are you doing here, bro? Like, Sam makes <laughs> sense. Like, he's, yeah, cool. But, like, the second you see them, like, oh, you guys are going to go on your own adventure, eh? You know? Like, Spin off. I bet, I bet you split off. I think you guys have missed a golden opportunity. The biggest piece of dead weight in this group was Boromir. Didn't him well, By the end, he was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> okay, moves me over to my... Oh, Jules' answer for that was... Uh, Miriam Pippin. So, yeah, she's in agreement with you there. And then, finally, as we discover in this movie, the elves just pretty much hate the humans. So... I want to know from you guys, what did the humans and the dwarves do to piss off the elves so much that the elves straight up just did not give a shit if Middle-earth was taken over by Sauron and just decided to cruise off to the islands? Now, I'm sure there's probably an answer in the Silmarillion or one of the books, but I want to know from you guys, what yeah, do you guys probably. reckon they did? 
I, I just, have you met us? <laughs> like, have you met us? Like, name one species that's lived next to us and had a great time. <laughs> it's it's rusty near us. We're real dicks. Like, the reason that there was only half a forest at Saruman's fucking tower is that we fucking had the other half. But whereas, you know, dwarves aren't fucking with nobody, they're under a mountain, they're in the natural fucking earth. Elves are, you know, doing whatever, wanking each other off in the fucking bushes in these pristine fucking forests. <laughs> and they manage just like burning everything and just fucking everywhere. It's gross. They're gross. It's a good point. It's a very good point. What about you, Brad? I, I was just going to say, because quite the opposite, just that elves themselves, they're just racist dicks. Like, <laughs> like the humans, dwarves, hobbits, you know, everyone else just like committed the crime of existing. And the elves were like, I guess we'll just fuck off. Like, there goes the neighborhood sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Xenophobic yeah. assholes. Jules's answer was they actually don't get involved with anything. They're all about the sailing to the west and leaving man to look after Middle Earth. In fact, they're actually by this point nearly all gone, ever wiped out by the great battle where they fought with Isildur or they sailed already. I think there's only a couple of Alvin cities places left. So that's also a reason. Ah, oh, cheers for that, Jules. So what you got there, Brad? If you could put Gimli's beard on any other character, who would it be and why? Ah, uh, Legolas. He's too pretty. Right. He's, he's way too pretty. Galadriel right? for the same reason. Cheers, man. Jules had, I'd want to swap the bromance, uh, swap Gimli's beard with Legolas's hair. Um, she says, I think that'd look hysterical. But if, you, if you took like Legolas's long blonde hair and just replaced it with a scraggly ginger beard. Um, <laughs> he would look like Syndrome, the villain from the first Incredibles movie. Yes. Yeah, it would yeah, look, yeah. look, okay. look like some kind of Syndrome, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you both laugh, so you're in it with me. You're coming down. You're coming <laughs> down the tubes with me. Um, the next uh, questione is, what do you think Gollum's balls smell like? Uh, bonus points if it's similar to what... I think they smell like pesto, <laughs> like a fresh, like a fresh pesto. Like when you can still smell like the heat from the blender, like with a blender motor, when you're still a slightly plasticky smell in the air. That's what they smell like. Pesto. Uh, you, you know how in New Zealand, like when you turn 18, they give you a fish and you have to walk around with that fish down your pants for six months. Yeah, I reckon that. Oh, of course. Yeah, that probably. You'd be right yeah. guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, was, I actually did it to my nephew the other day. It was really, really touching moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like a yardie at your 21st and fish down the pants at 18. It's like the two yeah. most defining yeah. moments of your Have your a fish, drink on. a beer. Your dad finally tells you he loves you. You're away laughing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that, but that's basically what I'm imagining is just some like yellow cod that's been shoved down the front of his pants oh. for about six months fermented you know it, it's not smelling like kombucha it's smelling like something fucking completely different just that's it okay <laughs> were any of us remotely close to you brad uh well you decide for me it was old vinegar soaked wool socks maybe so like sour like really sour but like concentrated sour yeah i don't do want to test this theory but yeah i can see where you're coming from lastly a quickie what do you uh, who do you think would win in a fight between boromir and ned stark big b man boromir's a fucking thug bro Captain of the guard, dog. Like, I get who his daddy is or whatever. That's cool. But your boy hits that fucking horn like a champ. Fucking drew that sword. And what did he do? He knew he was going to die. Did he fucking go like a, like a fucking like a coward? No, he didn't. It's true. And he stood be- up. He went toe-to-toe. Became the world's best pincushion. He did pretty well. Mm. Fuck you. Yeah. You know, based on all of fucking Nettie's kids, you know, they, you know, they'll bat the sword around a bit, but they'll fucking get nailed at the end of the day. 
Yeah. It's damage. It's true. I went with Boromir as well, purely because he still has a head. <laughs> there is that too. He's winning in the afterlife. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, that moves us over to you, Jules. What are your three questions there, Jules? Uh, we'll all take turns. I'll go first. What One of the things that Jules wants to know is if we had the Ring of Invisible, don't know if it's called that. Hmm. What would you risk drawing the attention of the ring race to do? I'm pretty sure that the party of Maori clubs up to something. <laughs> nah, Poirier was too fire, bro. Poirier was too fire. It was ahead of his time, eh? I've got a fucking DeLorean right. or some shit out there, man. Honestly, they're up to something. I'm going after it. I'm following that lead. 100%. Good to hear that you wouldn't like use it in vain. That's fucking awesome, bro. <laughs> no, that's a national treasure, bro. Imagine finding yeah. out. Good point. If I had like a nemesis in my small town, you know, like some douche who's just like always rubbed me the wrong way, I'd, I'd like put the ring on and just hang around him for a couple of days just to see what he does and what he says when he thinks there's no one else around. And like if he says anything about me to anybody, I'd like cut him or something. You could fo- I'm just like- petty. I'm- <laughs> I can just follow old Dumperoo around for a day through the White House and just, <laughs> and just get him on tape hey, and be like, this is what it looks like. Like this is this is what it looks like when this person is just themselves. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a massive fan of Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine are uh, doing a couple of reunion concerts over in America. I was originally going to do that. I was going to use the ring to go invisible, sneak backstage, and just. But then I was like, no, no, no! I've got a, I've got a golden opportunity to find out a fucking secret, and that is to sneak into KFC and find out what those eleven herbs and spices are, because I know one of them <laughs> is heroin. I know one of them is either heroin or crack cocaine. I need to find out what I'm addicted to so I can get help and get over the shit. I'm pretty sure nine of them are just salt. Nine salts, paprika, and cocaine. That's all it is. <laughs> okay, Oliver, that moves us over to Jules's other question, which is question number 16. What is it there, Oliver? Um, question number 16 from Julia is, what physical place of the movie would you like to visit? Yeah, this is uh, a little bit weird and sort of, I don't know if anticlimactic is, is the word, but like that, like uh, that river where Arwen summons the the flood. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a the big gosh. fan in New Zealand scenery, stony rivers. Like I, mm-hmm. any, any time I'm out driving and I see like mm-hmm. a nice stony river, that always stands mm-hmm. out to me, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a really cool place to stop and take photos and shit. I like to go to that spot where she summons mm-hmm. that flood. It's just a fucking mm-hmm. river, but it's a cool looking river. Uh, Two, two of my friends went to a like 3 a.m. screening of Lord of the Rings and then they got interrogated by the like Waikato Times newspaper when they came out of it. And they basically, w- one of my friends is very well spoken, the other one not so much. So the first one, they said, what did you think of Lord of the Rings? And he said, well, there were some glaring omissions from the source material. However, you have to consider that three hours is a long time. So that was his first answer. The second answer was the Misty Mountains was cool. And I agree. The Misty Mountains was cool. Yeah, I'm so with the second guy, not the first one. Um, exactly. That's my Sam, takeaway, I guess. Yeah. Sam, do you mean that they were interviewed by the paper? Because you said interrogated, which sounds really hostile. Yeah, that's different. Have you not been to Hamilton? That's what it's like, man. But- <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Anyway, sorry. Cool, and that moves us over to Oliver for his set of three questions. Now, before we get into them, Oliver, anyone that's listened to our podcast for any amount of time, maybe four or five episodes even, knows that one of our most common questions is, how would you have incorporated Nicolas Cage into this film? So on that note, Oliver, why don't you tell us what your first question is that you came up with for this podcast? Right, well, I didn't know that, obviously. <laughs> right, and I was at work, and I was like, yo, 
What's some funny shit to say on a podcast that's supposed to be lighthearted? So I was like, yo, which actor would you replace Nicolas Cage? Uh, I would have gone with the cave troll. I would have, you know, that point where they've got, they've got a cave troll and there's Nicolas Cage just comes out. Just... <laughs> Sorry, that's the right answer. Sorry, forget anything I said. That's the right answer. <laughs> the rage in the cage just coming out of the fucking depths. Just fucking. <laughs> screaming, not the bees eight years too early. Yeah, exactly. That's the one, man. We would have known at that point what was going to unfill in Nicolas Cage's career. We would have fucking seen it early. Yeah. I would replace Serene McKellen. Um, oh! Like, just because I would love to see, like, especially in that fight uh, against Saruman, I would love to see Gandalf going full cage, or even in like the Balrog scene or something, where instead of just being like the the, the strong, concise lines, and, and mm. of course that, that whole um iconic you shall not pass instead it would be cage like slapping his cheeks and being like oh you want to pass do you is that what you want you want to pass i don't think so and then it would just just be it'll be batshit crazy and even like hanging on to the bridge he'd pull himself up like completely removing the danger but just to deliver a line you could see his full chin he'd like pull himself up and he'd be like fly you goddamn fools and then let go Uh, excuse me, Nick, can we get that again without the goddamn that's not in the script? I'm not doing it again. <laughs> yeah. um, Jules's answer to that was uh, Saruman, just because he's crazy and it would have been awesome. That's good. All right, what do you got next there, Oliver? Um, what character quirks and flaws did we not see? Like, did Frodo have a wheat intolerance? I reckon Legolas is a flat earther. I can see <laughs> that. Oh, what do you Elfos see? Everything broke because there's no curvature to the earth, cuz. Exactly. Like, fucking, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's called Skyline, not Sky Curve. <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon Elrond is, like, definitely into some freaky shit. Mm. I mean, there's just something in Hugo Weaving's face that, like, there's a smirk that tells you there's something going on that you don't know. Um, yeah. Plus, like, if you, you don't live as long as Elrond has to not get bored with, like, the standard accepted norms in society. So, like, he's definitely into, like, orc bondage porn or something fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What did did Jules have as an answer there, Oliver? Um, Sam has autophobia, fear of being alone, and he's actually stalking Frodo. (laughs) Uh, You can end us uh, with your final question there, Oliver. Uh, Why are elves the worst fantasy race? We've covered this a lot, but they're just smug fuckwits, aren't they? They really are just smug fuckwits. I was no. trying to hold back when you were talking about them before, Oliver, but they are. They're just genuinely smug shitheads. Oh, everything's fine over here. We're just going to go live forever on a different island, probably called Remoera. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is your deal? Jules says, I don't think they are the worst. They're graceful, they're beautiful, and wise as well, and fast and fierce. Well, the thing is, um, Jules's character in the podcast is a half-elf. Um, ah. and, and when we record she wears like these headphones that are elf ears like i think she's quite into the whole elf thing so it's deeply embarrassing and, and i like to <laughs> i like to ensure that at some point she's challenged uh, on any personality trait that i find offensive <laughs> this is me doing that what about you brad um i said don't know they're just shit it's it's been said the, i can't oh. add anything they're like an overpowered character, you know what I mean? They like live what? forever and they've got fucking mm. eyesight and they've got amazing mm. archery skills and all this other shit. And it's just like, 
like they're very pristinely beautiful looking people. You know what I mean? So, you don't see any motherfuckers with like a receding hairline or a fear belly or anything like that. You know, with like five day growth, just wandering around, just scratching his nuts. Like, it was up, guys. The, you know, the, the Superman conundrum. You know, like how do you how do you humanize a god? Like, what do they do that's human? Ever seen one shit? Nope. <laughs> Ever seen I them mean- travel apart from like short distances on the back of a horse being like, oh, this is so effortless. That, that made me realize that that's something that would have helped the films a lot is if one of them, over six movies, if one of them had a scene a with, an, with an elf taking a shit, not graphically, not like here, here we are literally mm. watching an elf take a shit, but make some kind of reference to needing mm. the bathroom or being non-godlike in some way. Even when they die, do you see blood? Do you see bile? Do you see them shitting themselves and crying like everyone else? Nope. You know? Yeah. Talking about shitty elves, I did hear the story about how Liv Tyler rolled up to a bar in Wellington while Lord of the Rings was being filmed, and then the guy on the door basically said to her, hey, look, we're at capacity. It would be more like a fire hazard if we let you in now. And she mm. goes, yeah, but I'm Liv Tyler. And he yeah, was like, no, I don't exactly. give a shit. Goodbye. The, the thing about bouncers, particularly in Wellington, is that unless you're their mum or actually God, couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> Couldn't give a fuck. When The Hobbit was filming, I, I walked past Martin Freeman on in on Cooper Street and on like a quiet like Thursday night or something. I had I had a comedy gig and after the gig I was walking back to my car and I walked past and I actually muttered to myself because I was I was alone. I just went, Fuck, was that Martin Freeman? <laughs> and he and he turned around and he just looks at me and goes, Yes. And then keep walking. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, holy shit. Foreign listeners, we're further perpetrating the myth that New Zealand literally is about three buildings big. <laughs> and like, we all know each other. And we do. It is just true. It's nine true. of us, and we all have podcasts. <laughs> exactly. That's the reason why I haven't invited any other foreign podcast or any other New Zealand podcast on, is because there isn't any. It's you guys and us. That's it. Yeah. And that, that's every all 12 people in New Zealand, basically. Yeah, that, that's two-thirds of the population. It's us and our kids. <laughs> We're currently on a rotor system to have kids. Genetic diversity is an issue. So to get the WHO over here, we're in trouble. <laughs> Anywho, that takes us down to the end. Thank you to these guys for joining us. Why don't you tell us where we can find Fate of Eisen before we say goodbye to our good listeners? We are on all the major podcast apps. We have our website, fateofeisen.com which has fan art and links to the wiki. There's a fucking massive wiki that I nerded out and made uh, very detailed. And you were on all the socials at Fate of Ison. We got lucky and we got the same thing for all of them. Mm. Um, a lot of podcasts are like, yeah, we're at Fate of Ison on Twitter. Uh, we're at Fate Pod Ison on mm. uh, something else. And we're at Fatey Fatey Fate 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 Face. Uh, on Instagram and like, well, fuck that. No, we're at Fate of Ison on all of them. I-S-E-N. Oh, cheers for that, guys. And uh, if you'd like to find us on Twitter, you can find us at Movie Reviews In. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, you can, <laughs> you can find us on Movie Reviews in 20 Qs. You can find us on email at mritqs at gmail.com. A couple of upcoming... <laughs> there you go! <laughs> oh, you my God, dick. Brad. What are yes. you done? You yes! <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, thanks again to these guys, and that's thanks from me. Thanks, Sam. Bye. Bye, Sam. Bye.